Okay, let's fire away. We've only got half an hour. Um, we're up to Lamad Dalad Omad Aleph. If you see where the lines get wider at the bottom, Lamad Dalad Omad Aleph, and you go 12 lines up from where the lines get wider, and the last two words on the line are Omar Rav. Okay. Everybody got it? Yeah, yeah, got it. Okay, right. Okay, let's start. Omar Rabbi Huda says Rabbi Huda, La'alam al Yilshal Odom Srochov, a person should never make a request from Hashem. Not in the first three brochas of Shemun Estra. Nor during the last three brochas. Only in the middle 13. Why? To Omer Rav Chanina, because Rav Chanina says, Rishonus, the first brochas, is like a servant who is giving praise before his master, before he's prepared to make any further requests. Emsoyus, the middle brochus is Daimela Ebedshem Avakish Pras Merabai. The middle brochus is where he asks for his needs. And Achrainus, the last ones are Daimela Ebedshem Kibble Pras Merabai. And the last three brochus is like a servant who's already received his needs from his master. And he takes leave and he goes on his way. So the point is like this. What we're saying is like this. The first three is only for praise. The last three is we thank Hashem and we're sort of taking leave. And the middle 13 are for our requests. Now, is there anyone there who's got a question on this? Anyone got a question on this? Right, well, let me put a question to you. What about we say Zachreinu? When it comes to Rosh Hashanah, Zachreinu Lachayim, that's in the first three brochas. Mechamach Abarachamim, first three brochas. Yalev Yavah, what do we say? Zachreinu Hashem Melakeinu Balatavah, Fokteinu Balivrocha, etc. That's request, that's in the last three brochas. So Lachayim Tavim Kobanei Secha. So we see that there are lots of requests in the first three brochas and the last three brochas. So how do we how do we square it with the Gemara that we've just learned? May I draw your attention? Sorry, it's a machlokus. <laughs> it's a machlokus. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to be from the Gemara. It doesn't quote a, sec- a second person who says something else. It seems to say it doesn't seem to be any argument about it. So may I uh, draw your attention? To the Tosfos, three lines from the bottom. Al Yishal Adam Srochov Leibig Gimel Rishonus Leibig Gimel Achrinus Perish Rabbi Chananel Rabbeinu High Dafgal Yochid. When we say we don't make brachas in the beginning, first three and the last three, that's only an individual. Avol Sarkit Sibor Shailin. But if it's communal requests, then we can. So that explains all these things that we can do. Well, Lokach therefore carries on Tosas. On the Omrim we say, Zachreinu, which is a request in the first three, but it's a communal request. It's not for your own, but Zachreinu Lachaim. Remember us, Lachaim. It's a communal thing. Or Krivitz, those of you who are used to saying Piyutim, you will know that Krivitz, which is actually in the Red Book, 
I looked it up. It's not spelt like it is here in Tyson's. It's Kuf Reish Vov Base Tzadi. And if you have a look in the red book, when you next look at it, it's Krivos Vov Tuff at the end. But anyway, it's the same thing. Now, it, when you're saying Piyutim as well. So we say we shouldn't make any requests, anything. No interruptions. And Yala Vyava as well. So all these things are Tzokit Sibba, and that's why we are allowed to say. Incidentally, somebody called the Madonna Yonta says the word Krivots is Roshi Tevers. It stands for Kol Rinot Vishua for Sadikin. If you take that posuk, if you take the first letters of all the words there, it comes to the word Krivots. The other thing is the Oroch says that Krivots is a Loshan Kirov. You feel close to Hashem when you're sort of saying Piyutim. Now, uh, interesting thing is, most of the Piyutim that were made were, ma- were made, composed by somebody called Reb Eliezer HaKalir. Now, Reb Eliezer HaKalir, he lived in Eretz Israel. So the question is, how come there is Piyutim for the second day Yontif? Because in Eretz Israel, there's only one day Yontif. So really, we should only have Piyutim on the first day of Yontav. Second day of Yontav, no Piyutim. Now I'm treading on dangerous waters here. The answer is that in Chutzla Oretz, they divided it up into two. And they had half for the first day, half for the second day. That's what the Madonna Yontav says. Another interesting thing that he says about Piyutim is that apparently Rebeleza Kale, he ate a biscuit. In this biscuit was a kamea, an amulet, and it had the Shamus, it had the names of Hashem on it, and that instilled in him a burst of Ruach HaKodesh, which allowed him to compose the Putin. And in many places, apparently, a biscuit is known by the name of Kalir. So that's a bit of extra information. I must tell you, ending off this sort of part on a humorous note, Somebody told me that Rabbi Shimon Weingarten of Bridge Lane saw that nobody was doubling Putin. So he stood up and he said, tell you what, we're not going to say it anymore. But anyone who wants to say it can stay after doubling on Yontif and say it. So they didn't say it anymore. After Yontif, guess how many, after doubling, guess how many people stayed to say Putin? Well, I'll give you a clue. A nice round number. Pardon? A round number. A round number, yeah. Yeah. So Rabbi Shimon Weingarten was number one. And Laurie Sharman, Julian's brother, was number two. End of story. Make of it what you want. Uh, Right, we come on to the next story now. Ton Rabonon. Maestro of Talmud Echod. There was a story about a student. A Talmud. Shayorad Lefnei Ateva, Lefnei Rabbi Lezer. He went to act as a chazan in front of Rabbi Lezer. He took too long. This is a marvelous Gemara for the Gaboim. says <laughs> said to him, Rabbeinu, he's, he's taking so long, he's schlepping, we need to go to work. So Rabbi Lezer said to them, He is he so prolonging the tefillahs any more than Moshe Rabbeinu? The Chsiv Bey regarding Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, 
he was up in Hasinah for 40 days and 40 nights, doubling on behalf of Klal Yisrael. So believe you me, this Hasinah, however long he took, he didn't take 40 days and 40 nights. Shuvmai said was another story. The Talmud Echod. Again, another Talmud. Shayorad, he presumably wasn't the same one. He also went, Lifnei Atevi, he was the Chazan, Lifnei Rebeleza, also again in front of Rebeleza. He was too quick, cut things out. said to him, come a Katrin who's there. How, you know, he's, he's doubling so quickly, can't keep up with him. He said to them, He is, he, he is, he's not making it shorter than Moshe Rabbeinu did. When Moshe Rabbeinu davened for Miriam, when Miriam had Saras, he just said five words. Kale not refor not lot, which we had a couple of weeks ago. Please Hashem, please heal her. Only five words. So therefore, if Moshe Rabbeinu could say such a short filler, so don't have any sort of claims against the Chazan who is there now that he doubles quickly or that he doubles in an abbreviated version, short version, because no one was shorter than Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Mashal says a very interesting thing. He says, we learn both stories that to be long and to be short, both for Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, in the first case, he doubled 40 days and 40 nights. And in the second case, he just said five words. So says the uh, Mashal, what do we learn from this? That it depends. Sometimes it's appropriate to daven at great length, and sometimes it's appropriate, it depends on the circumstances, to daven very shortly. So he explains, and he says, when it came to Abraham, Yom Abraham, Lila, when he's 40 days and 40 nights, since it involved, it was a very serious Avera because of, it was the Egel, it was a golden car, and also involves a lot of people. So therefore, it took 40 days and 40 nights to ask Machila for Kalal Yisrael. When it came to this Avera that Miriam had said, because she said Loshan Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu, but it only involved herself. Therefore, a brief filler was good enough. Okay, let's carry on. Omer of Yaakov. Says Rav Yaakov. Omer of Chissa, the name of Chissa. Kolamavakish rachamim al chaveroi. Eid sarach If somebody is asking for rachamim, He's asking, doubling for somebody, for mercy. Hashem should show mercy to that person. He does not have to mention the name of the person who he's asking mercy for. Where do we know this from? Shenemah, because it says in the Posuk, Kael not, refort not lot. He says, please Hashem, please heal her. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu was doubling for Miriam. And as the Gemara carries on to say, Miriam. He doesn't mention the word name Miriam. Why doesn't he say, please heal Miriam? He just says, please heal her. So from this, the Gemara learns out that if you're doubling for somebody else, you don't actually have to mention their name because Moshe Rabbeinu also did not mention their name. However, can't you also, sorry? Can't you also say that Hashem knows who you're doubling for? Sure he does. Yeah, of course he does. But in that case, you might as well ask that when you say Rafa'enu, and you say the, the, the filler where you're doubling for different people, what do you have to mention their names for? Hashem knows who you're talking about. He knows who's ill and who's not well. So so yes. the, the Ma'aril, which is uh, um, cited by Mogan Avram, says like this. When is it that you don't have to mention the name? That is if you're in the presence of that person. So you're there in front of that person who's ill, then you don't have to mention the name. Right? Like Moshe Rabbeinu, he was there with Miriam. Yes. 
And therefore, you don't have to mention the name. However, otherwise, if you're not in front of that person, then you should mention the name of that person because that will help the kavona of the person who's davening. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, um, there's a sefer called Magit Haluma, and he says something interesting. He says like this, even though Moshe Rabbeinu didn't mention the name of Hashem, and didn't mention the name of Miriam, he still alluded to Miriam. In which way? Because the gematria of Rafonor, which is the posit, Keldor Rafonor law, but the most important words they are Rafonor, please heal her. Rafonor is gematria 332. And Miriam Yecheved, because normally we would say Miriam Bas Yecheved, it leaves out the word Bas, Miriam Yecheved is also a gematria 332. So therefore, by saying Kel Norafon Allah, he alluded to Miriam, even though he doesn't explicitly say the name of Miriam. Right, let's carry on. Ton Rabonon. But, but right? it includes the mother. But it, it, isn't that a stretch? Because, I mean, Miriam is Bas Yechavid, yes? Yes. Well, yeah, but that's a different person. And what I'm trying to say is, isn't no, no, no. that a stretch? No, normally, when we dab for somebody, you would say, Miriam, always the mother. The reason yes. why, the reason why when you dab for a fool, you mention the mother's name as opposed to the father's name, you should normally do it else, yes. uh, or all other occasions, is because the mother yes. is the one who brings life into the world. And therefore, so when you're asking for a fool, you mention the mother's name. Okay. Yes. Three lines from the bottom, Ton Rabonon. Ton Rabonon. These are the brachas of Shemana Esra during which a person bows down. For others, the first bracha, Tchilavasov. In other words, when you start off Shemana Esra, Baruchat to Hashem, and when you also, when you finish Baruchat to Hashem, Mogen Avron. That means Tchilav, the beginning, Vasov, and the end of others. Bahadar, in Majdamanachnulach, also you say Tchilavasov. When you say Majdamanachnulach, and Baruch Hashem, Hatav Shimcha, Ulochot, Nadal, as you also say, you bow down there as well. So in other words, you bow down four times, at the beginning, at the end of Ovas, and at the beginning of the end of Majdim. And if somebody wanted to bow down, he decided he wants to bow down the end of every brocha, or at the beginning of every brocha, we tell him, you should not bow. The only times you should bow is the four places which we've said. And the, uh, the reason, the reason given is as follows. Because if everyone can do it exactly when they want, there are going to be some who bow more times than others. And there'll be some people who will see this happening and they will think, therefore, it's the whole thing of bowing down is voluntary. And therefore, if I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it at all. So therefore, that's why we, t- we say to a person who we see bowing down at all the wrong places, don't just bow down at these four places. Carrying on the Gemara, Om Rabbi Shimei ben Pazir, Om Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Mishun Bar Kapora, Hediot Kamashu an ordinary person should conduct himself exactly as we said, i.e. only the four brochas that we said, of us beginning, of, uh, beginning and end, and Adar beginning and end. However, Kind Godel, a kind Godel, Vesayv Kol Brocha Brocha. He should bow down at the end of every single Brocha. And Rashi explains that the more important a person is, the more he's going to humble himself in front of Hashem. 
And therefore, since a kind God is certainly greater than an ordinary person, he has got to bear down at the end of every bracha. The Hamelech, the king who is even more important than the kind God, not only at the end of every bracha, like the kind God, but at the beginning and at the end of every bracha. So that's one view. Now we've got another view. Omra Yitzchak Banachmeni, Lididi, it was explained to me, Mifrishli Mineid Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. What Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi said, he's got a slightly different version of what we just learned. Hedyot Kamashamanu, a hedyot, an ordinary person, is exactly what we said, i.e. only in the four indicated places. Kain Godel is Tchilas Kol Brocho Brocho. Previously we'd said Kain Godel Masayv Kol Brocho Brocho. So here Kain Godel says the beginning of each Brocho, and the Rambam and various other Mephoshim say what it really means is not just at the beginning, but the beginning and the end. Because this version is stricter than the previous version. So if, if the previous version was at the end of every Brocho, and here you say it means at the beginning of every Brocho, well there's not much difference. So he says no, what it means here it's a chiloskop bracha, bracha, and at the end. So at the beginning and at the end. And hamelech is even more. Kim shakora shuv enazaykev. Once he starts bowing down, he stays bowed down the whole shmanesra, and he doesn't straighten up at all until he's finished shmanesra. So you can see that this version is stricter. In other words, for an ordinary person, it's exactly the same, only four. But at the end, it's, that the kind godel is beginning and end, and a melech has got to stay bowed all the time. Where do we know this from? Shalem, as it says in the Pesach, when Shlomo Melech, he finished davening, he got up from before the altar of Hashem, from kneeling on his knees. In other words, what we're saying is, that only when he finished davening did he rise from his knees, so he'd, he'd been bowing down all the time. Another shot that the Mephoshim give is as follows. In Masechus Rosh Hashanah, we say that Melech Nizan B'chol Yom, a king is judged every day. So as it were, every day is his Rosh Hashanah. And on Rosh Hashanah, we have a minig to go to, some people have the minig, let's say, to, to bow a little bit, you know, to be a, not, not completely straight, to bow a little bit to show humility. So therefore, that's another reason why a Melech should bow the whole Shemanesra. Right. So uh, a person yeah. suffering from uh, arthritis, yes, yeah, severe yeah. arthritis, couldn't become a melech, could they? A Jewish king? Well, <laughs> I don't know. If he was a melech and he had arthritis, he probably wouldn't have to do all this. I mean, it, we're talking about a normal situation where a person can do it. If you can't do it, an ordinary person, if it's impossible for him to bow down at Bogdan Avram, also wouldn't have to bow down. So it's all talking about given normal situations. If it's yeah. something abnormal, that's a different story. He can't, he can't. I don't think that would puzzle him from becoming a king. You know? Hey. Okay. Now we've got various different forms of bowing. So we'll see. Tom Rabonon. Kiddo alapayim. Kiddo means bowing down on your face. Shenema, as it says in the posset, talking about Bathsheba, Vatikad, which is similar to the word Kiddo, she bowed down Basheva, Basheva bowed down, a pine on her face, Eretz to the ground. So w- what this means is that you bow down, you've got to be very athletic to be able to do this. The Gomorrah and Sukkah actually says, I think they used to try this at the Simchas Beis of Sheva, but 
you've got to be fit to do this, is to bow down all the way down till your face hits the ground. Now, I certainly can't do that. I don't know if there's anyone else here tonight who can do it. <laughs> if you can, I'd like to see it. So that's called Kiddos. <laughs> okay? Kriya, kneeling is Albukayim, is on your knees. Shanema, as we, as we say, we quote the puzzle that we've just hey, Clive, Clive, you'd have to switch your video on so we can see you. Sorry? You'd have to switch your video on so we can see you. Oh, Shanema Mekraya Albirkov. Right? He was from kneeling, he, he, we said he got up from before the Mizbech of Hashem from kneeling on his knees. So we know when it comes to kneeling, Kriya is Albirkayim on his knees. And then we've got a third type of bowing, Hishtachavor, it's called, bowing down, Zupishut Yodayim Varaglayim. This means prostrating yourself fully on the ground so that your arms are laid, you're flat onto the, flat on the ground. Shenema, how do we know that? Because Yaakov says to Yosef when he had the dreams, have a nova. Shall I and your mothers and your brothers come to prostrate ourselves on the ground to you? And he uses the word leishtachavas. So we see leishtachavas means, and artsa, it means going on the ground. So it's completely lying flat. Now, it's interesting. When it comes to Rosh Hashanah Kippur, and we go on the floor, now, there is a, a, a something called Evan Muskis, which means a stone floor. You are allowed to bow down on a stone floor, completely pishut your diameter of line, which means to- totally flat on the ground, only in the base of Migdash, but not outside. But the minute has come about that even though it's not a stone floor, you still um, put something, when you, when you bow down, as we do Rosh Hashanah Kippur, you always put something on the floor. Now, there's a big discussion as to whether carpets um, are considered part of the floor or not. Now, some say they are, they're not considered part of the floor, and therefore that's a good enough, good enough machitza. So if you go down on the floor and there's carpet there, like there is in our shul, you don't need anything else. Others, like Rabbi Feldman said, no, can't, yeah, yeah, he said carpets is considered um, a hefzer, it's not like going down on the floor. So I asked him, I said, so why is it everybody seems to have the minig of taking these cloths and putting it down? If you've already got carpets, good enough. He answered me with one word. He said, yekas. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. I the cousin doesn't use one. No? The cousin okay. goes straight on the carpet. Yeah. The truth yeah. is, the Mishnah Brewer in Kuf Lamadalov explains and says, it is only, it's an Issa if it, if it, if it has A, a stone floor, and B, you lie down flat. Only then is an Isidoraisa. If you've only got one, so you've only got a stone floor, or you do a Shtachavor where you're completely flat, either one or the other, that's a Midrabonon. But where you haven't got a stone floor, and you're not Mishtachavor, right, like we're not, we go down on our knees, then it's, what do you call it? Then it's not even an Isidoraisa. But it has become the Minig to, to do it that way. And the interesting thing is, some people, they put the, whatever it is they're kneeling on, the, the cloth that they put down, they put it by their knees. But the correct way to do it is between your face and the carpet. So in other words, you should position the cloth so that when you face go, when, when you go down, your face goes onto that cloth. Okay. Now, just, uh, 
continuing, the Gemara says like this: Om Rav Chia Bereid Rav Huna, Chazina Lahu LaAbaya Barova De Matzlat Sluye. Rush, he said, I saw Abaya lean on their sides rather than fully prostrate themselves. So Rush explains this is referring to Tachnon, right? And, and the reason why they didn't go down completely Mishtachaveh is because there's a Gemara Megillah which says you can only do Pishut Yadayma Raglam, which means laying flat on the floor if you're confident, you're certain that you're going to be answered. Because if you're not answered by Hashem, then you may be subject to ridicule. So therefore, this is why that they only lay down on their side. I heard something just quite interesting in a shir last night. Apparently, when they, in 1964, there was a Knesset Gadol in Yerushalayim. And apparently there was the Ma'etzes Gadol who davened Mincha on their own in a room. And they, when it came to Tachnon, they, uh, quite a few of them wanted to put their, their head on their arms, you know, like what we do when we say Tachnon. And Ramosha Feinstein was there. He says, but there's no safe attire in this room. So somebody said to him, but Yerushalayim, if you're in Yerushalayim, which is full of Kedusha, it's considered as if there's a safe attire in the room. And he says when he was told that, so he also put his arm down, his, his um, head down on his arm. Interesting story. Gerald? Uh, yes. Kneeling, yes? Yes. Originally we kneeled. Now, do we refrain from doing that because of Christianity? Because they yes, ver- yes, 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 very much so, because that's exactly what they do. And uh, yes, that, that, that is exactly the reason why. And the whole idea of Evan Muskis, of not going on a stone floor, is for the same reason, because they used to do that for their, for, you know, for their uh, idol worship or with Christianity, whatever it was, and therefore that's why we don't do it. Okay. And with the Muslims, with Muslims, they also go down on the floor, don't they? We see them in the mosque. Yeah, yeah, but when they go in the mosque, interestingly, they don't lie flat on the floor, do they? They go on their knees. Last time oh. I saw this was, if, if you remember, did you come with us when we went to Poland? Because we came about five, six o'clock in the morning, we were at Luton Airport, and there was a prayer room, and we went in there to Daven Shachris, and then some, some British Air, uh, British Airway workers came in, and they lay down, but they go on their knees and then they fall down. So they're not flat down. But you must ask the Muslim exactly what the halachas are. I'm sure they'll be uh, delighted to tell you. But that's that's what we saw. Okay, let's just go a little bit further. Tonachoda, we learnt in one brisa. Hakareya Badar Harizem Meshubach. Somebody who bows at the bracha of Madim is Meshubach is praiseworthy. Vatani Idok, we learnt in another Bryce, Saharizem Aguna. It is not a good thing. So it seems to be a contradiction. Answers the Gemara, like Kasha, it's not a difficulty. The first Bryce, which approves of bowing down, that's at the beginning of Madim. Holobasov, when it's not a nice thing, is at the end. And we say, However, if we carry on the Gemara, Robert Korabadar's Chilabasov. Rabba did bow down at the beginning and at the end, like what we do. Omelir Rabbonus, the Rabbonus said to him, Amaika Ovid Mahochi, why do you do this? Omelu, he said to them, Chazin ala Rav Nachman zakorav, Chazin ala Rav Sheshes gobadokhe. I saw Rav Nachman and Rav Sheshes doing like that. In other words, bowing down at the beginning of Majim and at the end of Majim. So the Arsul Gemara Vatanya, but we learned in the Bryce, our Karev, our Adar, anyone who bows down in Hadar, and we've already established that's at the end, 
Harizem Begunna, it's not a good thing. So why did Rav Nachman, Rav Sheshes, and Rava copy them? Why did they bow at the beginning and at the end? Answers the Gemara as follows. No, one should bow at the beginning and at the end of Maidem. But the Brysa, which says it's not a good thing to bow down, that refers to the thanksgiving in Hallel. When we said, when we thank Hashem in Hallel, there you don't bow down. So that is called Harizem Megula. But the beginning and the end of Maidem is perfectly correct. Ask the Gemara a question about Tana, but we learned in another Brysa, Hakorea Bahadur. If you bow down in Hadar, over Hadar shall Hallel, and in Hadar of Hallel, I Hadar Shem Kitab, etc., Harizem Begunna. Now, since in this Brysa, Hadar, Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving and Hallel are mentioned separately, so the first one, Hadar, must refer to Shmanesra. Answer the Gemara, no. When we say it's Maguna, in that price, when it says it's Maguna, it means the Hadar of Birchus HaMozen. So when we say Nadalacha, we thank Hashem. When we thank Hashem there, there it's Maguna to do it. So it comes out at the end of the day that if you bow down in Hallel, when we say Hadal Hashem Kitav Kilam Chasa, or in Birchus HaMozen, when we say that's Maguna. That's not the correct thing to do. However, bowing down a Maidim Tchilov is the correct thing to do, and it fits in with all the prices that we said. There's no contradiction at all with the prices. And next week we'll start the Mishnah. Yes, Shem.